Well, we're glad that you are here, and uh, we're glad for those of you who've joined us online. Perhaps you've uh, done some things throughout the week to kind of get yourselves in the, uh, the spirit of Easter, and maybe you've done some things with your kids or your grandkids. I know one of the traditions that is uh, commonly a part of our Easter time as families often involves coloring Easter eggs, right? And uh, uh, sometimes they're just normal, plain Easter eggs, and then sometimes we put a little design to them, and there are some folks who go a little further, and maybe we'll add uh, even some themes about what Easter is really all about with some crosses or some statements, some symbols of, of Jesus and Christianity. And then um, some get pretty creative and make different kinds of uh, uh, little uh, beings, like minions. They turn eggs into minions. <laughs> or some go a little darker with ninjas. And uh, some go a little sweeter with even chicks that look like the marshmallow chicks. And then for some, uh, I know some kids might enjoy Old McDonald's Farm. I thought this was a sweet one that I came across as I was looking at various colored eggs. And some of you may have a genre of movies, like Pixar movies that your kids uh, enjoy and you like to decorate in that way. And maybe some of you, it's about the Force and Star Wars, and so the characters of Star Wars make it onto. Now, one of my favorites that I came across was um, eggs that look like hamburgers. And uh, <laughs> that was very different and very distinct. And then, of course, this last week, the Dodgers had their opening game, and so it's baseball season. And so some of you may have gotten into something like uh, this in decorating those eggs. And uh, my personal favorite is actually a dozen eggs that were colored and looked like emojis with the uh, shocked emoji kind of off to the side, shocked he's being left out. Maybe you've done something like an Easter egg hunt. There's been some fun that you've had. And there's a place for that, and there, there are some good things about that for our families. But what we're doing here today in worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ, what we're doing, what we're celebrating on this Easter Sunday is a really big deal. It's a really big deal that our Savior came for us. He went to the cross, was crucified, was buried, and then conquered the grave. And in conquering the grave, he conquered the curse and death and sin, and hell itself for us. This is a really big deal. And I hope you come with that in mind. As we look now at Matthew chapter 28, if you want to go there in your Bibles or go there in a mobile app on your mobile phone, uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew's record of the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew 28. You remember up to this point, we have had the, uh, we've had the, followers of Christ recognize, can I, I'm going to pause for just a moment. For some reason, my monitors are a lot hotter in front of me in this service than normal, and I'm hearing myself pretty loudly. If we could bring the monitors in front of me down a little bit. Thank you for that. Okay, I think I think it could come down even a little further. Thank you, and hopefully that doesn't distract you from where we are in Matthew chapter 28. But in this passage in Matthew chapter 28, we have to understand that what the followers of Christ have gone through, of course, is the crucifixion of Jesus just a few days earlier. They saw his body beaten and bloodied hanging on the cross. They saw him take that last breath, and they saw that body placed in a tomb. Because it was the Sabbath, and specifically the Passover Sabbath, they weren't able to prepare the body as they had hoped 
And so there has been this sadness that has been set in. The one they were following has been crucified. He's in a tomb, and we didn't even really get to prepare his body for the long-term burial. And so as soon as they can, when dawn breaks, after that Sabbath has concluded, there are women who go to the tomb. And we read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, after the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. They fainted. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. He is not here. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. These women are shocked. They come expecting to see the body and do the final preparation. The stone has been rolled away. He's alive, and this angel says they're to go and tell others, and then they meet Jesus, and he too says, go and tell my disciples I'm gonna meet them. This is a really big deal. We sang about it earlier in the service. We've sung throughout the service about the fact that he lives And because he lives, it changes everything about my life, my past, my future, and my present. Today, I want us to understand that because he lives, I have freedom from my past, I have hope for my future, and I have confidence for today. I have confidence, grace, and strength for this very day. Now, the writer of Hebrews kind of captured this in talking about what we have in the resurrected Savior and who Jesus is. In Hebrews 13, 8, We read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I want us to understand these different dimensions of truths that we can live into about the resurrection of Jesus, how it affects our past, our future, and our present. Let's look first at how it affects our past. Because he lives, I can face yesterday with freedom. Some of us are trapped in the past. We're trapped in things that went on. We live in a broken world. As a matter of fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is retroactive, not just a couple of weeks, not just a couple of months, but all the way back to the beginning of time when Adam and Eve rejected God and God put a curse on all of his creation. When the curse of death would hover over every human being, every human being would be born with sin, guilt before God because of that sin. And the curse was heavy because it involved death, physical death, that would be a sign of eternal and spiritual death. But in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he conquered that curse, he conquered that judgment, he conquered that condemnation, he conquered death. So it goes all the way back and brings hope 
and freedom from the things that would shackle us even in our past. Can you imagine if you look at verse five, the angel says to the women, do not be afraid for know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. When he says the word crucified, I'm sure it just peels the scab right off this, this wound that is so fresh, just a few days old. Their hearts probably were shot through with pain when they heard the word crucified. Their minds probably went back to his bloodied body on the cross. At a great Good Friday service the other night, and Pastor Brian Howard did a great job describing the, the awfulness of Roman crucifixion. And, and, and to hear the word crucified would have taken them back to that. They, they were there. The gospel writers tell us that they were there when his body was placed in that carved out stone and he was laid on a stone cold slab, his lifeless body. And so to hear the words crucified would stir up the wounds of their past. And you see, because he lives, I can face yesterday with freedom, freedom from the wounds of my past controlling me. Oftentimes, the wounds that have happened to us in life define us and control us and affect our day-to-day, -day and they affect our outlook on tomorrow. But because he lives, we have freedom from the wounds of our past controlling and defining us. This world is broken, so we deal with natural disasters and disease. We deal with things like earthquakes and tornadoes. We deal with cancer. We deal with viruses. And the people in this world, including us, are broken, and so there are people who harm us and hurt us and wound us. And so sometimes we experience the deceit of others. We experience the wounds that others inflict on us. For some, it goes back to childhood and something someone did to you. Maybe it was a, a love lost. It was something in a relationship, a, a marriage that was broken. There were, there, there were wounds of your past that Satan wants to use to shackle you so you don't have the freedom that God wants you to have in Christ, the resurrected Savior. But you can have those wounds of the past, the addictions of the past, the, the sorrow and grief over death and miscarriages and the things of the wounds of yesterday, you can have God's healing and reconciliation and peace because of the resurrected Savior. Secondly, I can face yesterday with freedom, freedom from the sins of my past condemning me, the sins of my past condemning me, for some of you, there is a sin. There's an occasion. It might go back a week. It might go back 10 years. It might go back three decades. But there's a sin that you've, you've heard someone say, yes, God forgives you of that sin. But there's something that still haunts you, and Satan keeps throwing it in your face, and he wants you to feel the guilt and shame all over again. And the resurrected Savior says, I, I died for those sins I was buried for those sins. I was raised so that you could have new life. You could be released from the shackles of guilt and shame and have new life and forgiveness in me. Because of the resurrected Savior, because he lives, I can face yesterday with freedom. You know, in this passage, there's something left out that Mark records. The Gospel of Mark, we believe, was written through the eyewitness perspective of the Apostle Peter. And so as Mark records what the women were told, it goes a little further in this passage and in a couple of the other parallel passages, 
passages, the women are told to go and tell his disciples that he's not here, he's risen, he's going to meet them. But in Mark's gospel, there's one addition. It says, go and tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter didn't forget those words. Why? Because he was carrying the sins of just a few days ago. He had promised Jesus in that upper room, I will never deny you. It'll never happen. And within hours... He was denying Christ. He denied Christ three times that he knew him or had ever been one of his followers. And Peter is carrying that guilt and that shame. And the Lord wanted him to know, there's love coming for you, Peter. Go and tell his disciples and Peter, Mark says. And perhaps you're carrying weight and guilt today of the sins of your past And I hope you can hear the Spirit of God saying to you, your name, that you need to know the love and forgiveness. Jesus would, in John 21, extend forgiveness to Peter three times that he might sense the forgiveness of God. And whatever it is that you carry with you of the sins of your past, I trust today in the resurrected Savior, your healer, your name, and that God loves you and God releases you from what you might think is such a despicable, vile, dirty, sinful past. Satan wants us to be shackled by the wounds and sins of yesterday, but the resurrected Savior wants to give us freedom from that, bring healing and reconciliation so we can move forward in hope. I like how Pastor Rick Warren says it. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Because he lives, you don't have to be a prisoner of your past anymore. Secondly, not only can I face yesterday with freedom because he lives, but because he lives, I can face tomorrow with hope. Hope is believing and understanding God has my best in store for me. God has what is good for me. Even if I don't like that path, even if I would choose a different path, my hope is in him. And that ultimately, no matter what happens in the future, I have an eternity with him. When the apostle Paul was facing execution, he said, I don't know what's going on. I I, I don't know how much longer I have uh, for preaching the gospel. He says in 2 Timothy 1.12, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I have hope that no matter what happens in this life, I will be whole in Christ. And eventually, Jesus is gonna come and that earth that's groaning will be set right in the new heavens and the new earth. There'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. And ultimately, our hope is found in the eternal goodness and promises of our God that are only ours through the resurrected living Savior. And yet sometimes hope can be lost because we can be gripped by fear. Fear is actually something healthy God has given us. And we try to teach our children, you know, a a flame on a stove is hot and we want them to have a healthy respect or fear for that, right? Right? But the danger comes when the fear overwhelms us. 
See, fear is based on what we see in the environment around us, the indicators of what's going on, or maybe we see on the horizon something very clearly, a storm cloud forming, and, and so our senses are aware that there could be some danger. But we have to take those fears and give them to the Lord and trust him. It's because he lives, I can face tomorrow with hope. This hope is a hope that calms the fears that can paralyze my life. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed by what we see in the environment around us or on the horizon ahead, the fear grips our hearts and we aren't even able to breathe or move. But because he lives, he has conquered the ultimate fear, the fear of death itself. He's taken care of the grave for us gives us an eternal hope. We don't have to be paralyzed by fear. Some of us move beyond fear and we get into the area of worry. It says here in in the passage that the angel says to the women in verse five, do not be afraid. In verse 10, Jesus says, do not be afraid. We read in verse eight, so the women hurried away from the tomb and it says afraid, yet filled with joy. They were kind of on this brink of, uh, of, of being paralyzed by fear, but they're moving they're at this brink right on the edge where they could get caught with worry. There will be questions. Where's his body? Maybe someone stole him. Those questions are gonna pop up. It would be easy for them to connect some dots and make up some dots and get overwhelmed with worry. But because he lives, they chose joy in the midst of their uncertainty and their confusion. They chose joy at the words that he was alive. I can face tomorrow with hope, a hope that calms the fears that can paralyze my life. But secondly, I can face tomorrow with hope. It's a hope that quiets the worries that can consume my mind. Fear has to do with real indicators in the environment or on the horizon. Worry is trying to connect dots that aren't even there, and we begin to manufacture fear in our heads, and worry begins to eat away at us, and we get consumed. We can't sleep at night. We're driving. It's all we can think about, and we're worried about that financial thing. We're worried about that health thing. We're worried about the family, the marriage, and it overwhelms us, and it consumes us, and we get trapped in worry. Someone has said, worry is like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. It's easy to get paralyzed by fear, even sometimes legitimate fears. It's easy to get consumed in our minds with worry. But Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, after he was raised, they saw him in many post-resurrection appearances, and on the 40th day, he ascended to the Father. 40th day after his resurrection, and then 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit in the church, and they fanned out to share the good news of, of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus sent out his disciples before he ascended to the Father, he said, I'm gonna be with you wherever you go. There are the promises of God that whatever we're going through, whatever dangers are out there, whatever things we could manufacture in our minds, he will be with us through it. I read an article not too long ago where someone had studied the Old Testament book of Isaiah and how Isaiah talks about God stepping in to comfort us, to be with us in the difficulties through the dark storms and the deep waters, God is there to travel with us when we know him. And this person was looking at some of the indications of how God 
holds our hand. And, and he went through these scriptures, and he said, sometimes we think that as we walk with God in life through the things that could be frightening or worrisome, that we're walking hand in hand, and God has our hand, and he's walking beside us. He said, but if you take all of the various references to God's hand and, and God comforting his children and being there to help us and give us hope, he says, actually, you get this wonderful picture, this sweet picture that God is not just beside us, he is face to face with us. Eyeball to eyeball, toe to toe, holding our hands. And he is actually walking backwards as he looks us in the eye. He says there is this beautiful picture that we are eyeball to eyeball with God through the difficulties of life. And he says that this writer pointed out that Isaiah 41.13 is kind of the culmination of this intimacy, this sweetness where God is with us in whatever could frighten us, whatever could worry us. Isaiah 41.13 says, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Maybe there are some dangers in the environment around you, something on the horizon. Maybe you're beginning to connect dots and so you're struggling with not letting fear paralyze you and not letting worry consume your mind. Remember your resurrected Savior who conquered the ultimate of the curse, death itself for you. And remember that God says, as he's looking you in the eye, he says, I am your God. Do not be afraid. I am here to help you and to give you hope. And that last part of verse 13 from Isaiah 41, it says, I will help you. It's in a, a structure in the original Hebrew that means right now, in this moment, in this instance. So it's, I am here to help you right now. Maybe you're going through some stuff that's really tough. Maybe it's kind of stirred up some fear in you. Maybe even some worry has developed over something in your life. Can I encourage you, encourage you to hear the voice of your resurrected Savior looking you in the eye and having him say to you, I am your God. Do not be afraid. I am here to help you right now. Maybe this week as you pray, just put your hands out and sense him holding your hands and, and read Isaiah 41, 13 over your own life. Be reminded of the hope we have in tomorrow that God has our good in store for us no matter what life's path might be. I remember in October of 2017, Leslie and I were watching TV and we got a phone call don't normally answer a number I don't recognize, but for some reason that evening I answered the number and the other end said, Mr. Thornton, yes. He said, uh, your boy John here has had a fall. It was a call from a rock climbing facility, an indoor rock climbing facility, and they said, he's, he's, he's had a fall. And the ambulance is here. You might want to meet them at Los Robles. He's talking, but we don't know much more. And I shared that with Leslie, and some of you prayed during that time. Thank you for your prayers. I shared that with Leslie, and, and we got in the car, and it was kind of a quiet ride because both of us were trying to process, okay, what could we find? What could we see? We know that for God, God for some, has chosen a different path, like our friend Johnny Erickson Tata has been over 50 years a quadriplegic after a diving accident, but God's used it for the good of others and his glory. We have a good friend, Jim Fritz, who was in our wedding. He, too, is a quadriplegic was in a car accident while he was attending the Air Force Academy in Colorado and 
And he's lived decades in a wheelchair, and yet God has used it for the good of others and God's glory. And so he knew, okay, this can be pretty serious, and God may take us down a path, but we've got to rest our hope in him. And we wrestled with the fears and the worries, and we struggled. And we got there, and there weren't a lot of answers for a while, and some of you know that the next day he had to go into a surgery where they put two 10-inch rods in his back, or he would have been paralyzed from the waist down. They put 10 screws in to keep those rods in place, and the kind of rods were new in this kind of procedure, and they had to get a doctor from Orange County to come up who knew how to do this and was a part of the company that made them, and it was the first uh, surgery of its kind at Los, Ro Ro Los Robles because of the unique nature of that. It wasn't to keep his spine together, but it was to let his spine heal. And so it took some days and weeks and months, but he was up and walking long before doctors thought he would be, and God answered our prayers in that way, but I know that God chooses a different path for some, and we have to rest in him. And John's doing well. It doesn't affect him much at all. Every now and then, maybe a little pain if he's had a long day. He lives in New York, and we're gonna go see him this week for a few days. Leslie has the week off for Easter break as she works at Oaks Christian, and they have the week off for Easter break. We're thankful for how that turned out, and God showed his goodness to us in a wonderful way, but I do know that for some the journey is different, and when we're in those moments, some of you have been parents getting that call or been in the car or gotten the diagnosis where you begin to see fear and worry can easily overwhelm, and we need to be able to say, no matter what, I've got Jesus and he's got me. My hope is anchored in him. Thirdly, not only are we free from yesterday and have hope for tomorrow because he lives. But because he lives, I can face today with confidence. I can face today with confidence. John Mark Homer says, too much time spent in the past leads to depression. Too much time spent in the future leads to anxiety. Live in the moment. We need strength and confidence for this moment when we know we've been freed and unshackled from the wounds and sins of our past, that we have hope no matter what seems fearful, no matter what seems to worry us, we have hope in Christ. Then for this moment, this day, God wants to give us confidence. And you know, all of us every day are gonna run into people and circumstances. It's interesting, these, these ladies in verse eight, these women, they hurry they're interrupted by Jesus for a moment. They have a time to see him alive and to worship him. And then they again move to tell the disciples. And the word gets out. And eventually Jesus sends his disciples out when he goes to be with the Father. And we have the book of Acts where they take this message of the good news of the crucified, buried, and risen Savior. They take it to others in their lives and in their path. And I'm grateful that they kept sharing that good news that it reached our generation, that many of us in this room know Jesus. But God's gonna put people in our path and just like they shared the good news, we need to be there to show the love of Jesus. As Jesus said, we need to be there to love our neighbor and we need not to see people as obstacles, but we need to be living out the very love of Christ with the people at work, in our neighborhood, the people we come in contact with. You see, I can face today with confidence to intentionally love the people God puts in my path today. He's gonna give me the strength, the confidence, the grace. No matter what I'm going through, whatever things are in my life, good, bad, or ugly, I will have people in my path that I can share the hope and love of Jesus with. Because he lives, I can have confidence to do that today. Secondly, 
I can face today with confidence to courageously embrace the challenges God allows in my life. These women embrace the challenge. The disciples then embrace the challenge. There's tension because people think maybe his body is stolen, but they believe he's been raised and they accept this and embrace this. Sometimes God takes us through some stuff and gives us comfort, Paul told the Corinthian believers, so that we'll be able to share that comfort with other people. That we become the ones who distribute God's comfort to others who are hurting. It's for their good and God's glory. Then, of course, Romans 8, 28 says, all things, work together for those, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his name. And sometimes people will say about the verse, see, it'll all get better. It was a bad day today, so tomorrow will be a good day. I'm gonna get bigger and brighter and better tomorrow, whatever I lost today. That's not what that verse is saying. You have to read verse 29. It says all things work together for good. Why? To conform us to the image of Christ. He's gonna use the good and bad circumstances of my life to mold me and shape me. And as these ladies and as the disciples and as the church was launched and they embraced even the hardships and the struggles of life that came, God molded them and shaped them and made them more like Jesus. So again, more people could be touched. It was for the good of others and the glory of God. We've got to not only recognize the people in our path need the love of Christ, but we need to embrace the challenges because God wants to use those things to shape us and mold us and make us more like Jesus. Because he lives, I can face today with confidence, strength, and grace when it comes to people and circumstances which we all deal with in our everyday lives. Pastor and author Max Lucado says, you no longer have yesterday, you do not yet have tomorrow, you only have today. This is the day the Lord has made. Live in it. Intentionally share the love of Jesus with those in your path. Courageously embrace the challenges of life and allow God to use them to help you shine more and more for Jesus. Why? Because he lives. That's possible in our lives. This is a really big deal. Because he lives, I am freed from the wounds and sins of my yesterday. Because he lives in the midst of fears and worries, I can have hope in my tomorrow. Because he lives, I can have confidence in how I love others and I embrace the challenges of life today in Christ. This is a really big deal, this thing called Easter, this Resurrection Sunday. On Easter Sunday, 2015, it was April 5th. It was a seven o'clock service like we had this morning early. And about 20 minutes before the service started, which is really early for people to come to a seven o'clock Easter service. There weren't too many people in here at 20 minutes till this morning. <laughs> but on April 5th, 2015, there was a couple sitting right back here in the back of this section. And they were the only ones in the room really, except for those who were doing the rehearsal and going through some of the music. And, so I saw them and I recognized them. It was Vin and Sandra Scully. Of course, Vin being the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. And um, Vin and Sandra attended two different churches. She attended here. She went to be with the Lord just over a year ago. And he attended another congregation. But on Christmas and Easter, they would always make sure they came to one service here and one service at his church. And so I knew that. I'd seen that familiar pattern in their lives. And I'd interacted with them before, but I'm still not very baseball-y. 
Um, and I'm not very sportsy when it comes to some of that stuff. And so I thought, well, I'm going to, I knew the next day was opening day, by the way. There was one game that night between a couple teams. I didn't know who they were, but I knew the next day was the opening day. And there were rumors this was going to be his last season as the voice of the Dodgers. He actually made it through another season into the 2016 season and then retired. But I saw them back there and I thought, I'm going to go and strike up a conversation, maybe mention, you know, the big day tomorrow. And so I walked up and I said, happy Easter. And they said, happy Easter. And I, I looked at Ben and I said, uh, tomorrow's a really big day. I mean, a really big day. And he said, well, I don't know if you've heard, but today's a really big day too. <laughs> now, you gotta, those of you who know that voice, hear him saying that in kind of that deadpan, Vin Scully voice, right? I don't know if you know, but today's a really big day too. And my mind went to, oh, the Dodgers are playing tonight. I missed that. <laughs> They're the opening game. I said, oh, so are the Dodgers playing tonight? He said, no, today's a really big day. I said, why? He said, because we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In a perfect Vin Scully voice. I was worried about I couldn't talk baseball with him. I couldn't talk Jesus with him. On Easter. But he said to me, and it's a really big deal that we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a really big deal. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you will never escape your past. You'll never have hope for tomorrow. You'll never be able to deal with today. Do you have freedom, hope, and confidence because he lives? Because Jesus lives? You see, most of us are are trusting in our own ideas of how we get to God. We're resting in. We're all kind of born in our own sins. So we're resting in our own solution. And God says we need a savior. And so sometimes we follow a philosophy or we think, well, I was raised in a church or I go to Calvary. That must be the way. Well, the way is Jesus, but we have to come to a place, the scriptures say, where we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. We, in the journey, have to come to a place where we say no philosophy, no idea, no religion, no form of Christianity in and of itself is going to give me a relationship with God through the crucified, buried, and risen Savior. We have to come to that place where we say, God, I get it. I fall short of who you are, but I see what Jesus has done for me. And today, I transfer my trust in whatever I've been trusting in, and I trust in Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised for me. God, I put my faith in him and him alone. In that moment, God gives us new life that comes from the resurrected Savior. God gives us forgiveness and freedom from our past. He gives us hope for tomorrow, and he can give us confidence and grace to walk with him today. There are many of us in this room know we've come to that place where we've trusted Christ as his Savior, but maybe you're here and you haven't yet made that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus and in him alone. That's the key to having a relationship. That's what Easter is all about, knowing the resurrected Savior. Can I have you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you know Jesus, thank him for the freedom you have from your past. Thank him for the hope you have in tomorrow. 
Ask him to give you confidence today because he lives. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, right where you are, just pray. Just talk to God. Just say a simple prayer like this. Lord, I know I need a Savior. I am a sinner. And simply pray, I believe Jesus died, was buried, and was raised for me. Forgive me. Give me new life in him. Make me your child. I transfer my trust into Jesus. In that moment, God says that you pray that prayer. He forgives you and gives you new life in him now and forever. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, today you transferred your trust into Jesus, would you just look up at me if today is the first day you put your faith in Jesus? You say, yep, I'm transferring my trust to him. Just look right up at me. I won't call you out. I see some folks looking at me. Thank you. I just want to know how to pray as I close. I won't call you out in any way. Just look up straight at me. I'm going to look through the room. I see a number of eyes. I see faces and eyes looking at me. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing if you prayed and transferred your trust into Jesus to be your Savior. And you're still looking up at me, hopefully, if you prayed that prayer. There's a number on the screen below me, and I'd like to just take that number down and text the name Jesus to that number, and we'll send you some resources, particularly those of you who are joining us online. Maybe you're at home. Today, you're transferring your trust into Jesus. Just text the name Jesus to that number, and we'll come alongside and help you in that journey. If you're here in the room, we have three tables in the lobby that say yes at the top. You see a big word, yes. It's saying yes to Jesus. And there are folks manning those tables and you can go out there after the service and they've got a little packet there that'll help you even in the next seven days and how to walk with Jesus, how to walk in this new life, how to find freedom from your past and hope for your tomorrow and confidence in today because of Jesus now that you know him as your savior. Just stop by one of those tables, just tell them I said yes to Jesus today and they'll give you one of those packets They might even offer to pray with you. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for those who looked up. A number of folks throughout the room are indicating that today they transferred their trust in Jesus. Thank you. What a joy to have folks indicate that. And I know there's some online that made that decision now. And I pray that you'd give the folks online, even some in the room, the boldness to reach out to us, to text that name, just the name of Jesus, our Savior, to that number, to stop by one of those tables, to reach out to a Christian friend, to speak to me in the lobby. Give them boldness now to take that next step so they can grow and thrive in you. Thank you for the fact that Jesus was not only crucified and buried, but he was raised. He lives, and because he lives, we can be freed from the wounds and sins of our past. We can have hope in the midst of fears and worries of this life about tomorrow. We can have confidence and grace and strength to intentionally love people that come into our path today and to embrace the challenges that come into our lives today so that you can mold us and make us and shape us to be more like your son. Thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.